summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. with you through the next hour. Hope if you're back to work after potentially an extra long weekend, those of you who managed to take some leave on Monday and extend that, that it was absolutely lovely, that it was happy and fulfilling no matter what you were up to. Pleasure to be here with you this Wednesday. Plenty to talk about through the next hour, so she's going to be jam-packed from football and what is happening there to, of course, the Black Caps at the Mount. What do you think they should do? Do we declare very early today? The bowlers have had a good rest now. They've had a lee lion. Gary Stead was saying, oh, we just want to make sure they're nice and fresh. Surely early on now, they've got a lead of 528. They just have a crack and win this thing on day four. But on the other hand, plenty of time, maybe a bit more time to give some of these batters a little bit of extra time at the crease to dig into things. I personally am starting to feel like this is now becoming a bit of a glorified warm-up match for the Aussie series, which I'm not sure I'm I'm super into, but was potentially inevitable with the side that the South Africans did bring out. But let me know your thoughts. Text us in on the Timber Bed Post text machine double eight double three. We'll also be taking your calls after nine thirty, so do give us a call in 0800-150-811 uh, after nine thirty. Talking a few things aside from the cricket. The interesting news out of South Africa in regards to their coaching staff. Now, the one that will interest Kiwis the most, of course, Tony Brown, heading over there. This was speculated about last week and has been confirmed today. How do you feel about it? He was going to be unemployed if he didn't do this. But then a Kiwi going and helping the world champions who just beat us in the final? Come on. Be fascinated to know your thoughts. That'll be after 9.30. Now, though, we are going to talk a bit of football. Plenty going on. And so I'm very grateful to have former All-Whites striker Noel Barkley on the line. Noel, how's your morning going? Very well, thank you, Kimberly. Um, yeah, I uh, certainly enjoyed the, the games yesterday. It was nice to see a big crowd down in Wellington. Unfortunately, not the result they were looking for. No, no, it was not at all. And I do want to get onto that soon. However, I did just want to start uh, with this news around this morning, Noel. Tommy Smith, uh, who you'll know pretty well, signing with MacArthur FC until the end of the season in the A-League. What do you make of that move? 
Well, like, I mean, he's coming to the end of his career, uh, even though he's still reasonably young, uh, I think he's 33, and he seems to be getting closer to where he was born and raised, which was uh, on the North Shore, <laughs> and, um, um, Westlake High um, boy. Um, so I, I fully expect him to be an option for the Auckland franchise mm-hmm. moving forward. A little bit like Rojas, you know, they've grabbed those six-month contracts. No sense in them signing for Auckland now because there's no game, but I just see that as a, an opportunity for both of them to show that they've still got good legs in them and um, and in Kiwis and coming back to Auckland um, would be an opportunity. So I, I see it as a real positive. I mean, Tommy's he's still decent. He's You know, he's played a... He's been at a decent level. He's certainly good enough for the A-League, so I'm hoping that he has some good games for MacArthur. And we've got some other Kiwi boys there. So, yeah, and um, there's every, re- every reason to think that um, Auckland will be chasing players. I mean, they haven't got any players at the minute, so um, they've got a management team, um, and they're recruiting that. Um, but, yeah, they need, they need to get some players and move on it pretty quickly. So with Smith, and then you mentioned Marco Rojas as well, who's with Brisbane on a short-term deal, do you think they've been given already a bit of a a wink and a nod as far as potential future signings for Auckland go? Do you think they've got anything in front of them? How how does this work behind the scenes? There'll be people working furiously. Um, Technical director um, Terry Flynn and and coach Steve Carter, I mean, they really got nothing else to do but um, find players. So I would I would imagine that I mean, the thing about the A League is anybody that's out of contract this year, there's a list that goes around. So you can see the list of people that are out of contract, and you can just go and you can talk to them freely now. So either the current clubs are trying to hang on to them, or Auckland are trying to outbid their current clubs. So look, it's, a, it's an interesting time. I would um, you know this includes Phoenix players, of course, mm. Nevada, Barbarossas in particular. So. Um, they will be absolutely full on just as many local national league players as they possibly can. There's probably about four to six of them and, and obviously the available Kiwis. Steve Corker, of course, is a very good friends with Danny Hay and Danny's probably got the best spin on the Kiwi players around the globe. Obviously, in the all-white coach, he'll sort of know who's doing well and who would fit. So, yeah, look, they will be... I, I would hope that they're working furiously behind the scenes and they've got to have a 20-man squad by June... And, um, yeah, and bring it on. Bring it on, indeed. Fascinating uh, build-up to next season awaits. But let's stick with the season that we're in right now, uh, shall we? You mentioned that Knicks draw not the result they were wanting against Central Coast. What what did you make of that performance? Um, well, I mean, <laughs> to be really honest, I was disappointed. Uh, I, I thought... Um, Bit of a lost opportunity, and Central Coast a bit surprised with them. They were really poor, and they didn't really offer anything. They obviously good at the back, um, and that's what made the game a stalemate. And it was disappointing because to get twelve odd thousand, um, it was a real opportunity to you know get a win uh, and build on what's been a really good season. So you can't take that away from them. They're, they're top of the league, and. And despite what's happened in the last couple of weeks, some pretty average performances against Brisbane and um, Centre Post, they still top of the league. Even if the Melbourne victory win, they're you know they'll still be top of the league. So, um, yeah, di- disappointed because I think there was an opportunity there to you know had two points out of six in the last two games. And um, if you want to go, want to go and win the league, you're going to be a minor premier. You know you've got to, you've got to win those games. So. Uh, the import on its way and Oscar Savara, where they're growing, it's obviously a problem, is a real worry for them because 
I think David, David Bowl, he toils away, um, but he just doesn't have that pace up front that's required to sort of expose um, the weaker team. So, yeah, look, um, it t- tends with a little bit of a sort of dis- disappointment because we, they didn't seize the opportunity um, for so many people that turned out. But, hey, it's hard to go hard on them when you're sitting at the top of the league. <laughs> yes, I totally agree with that. Uh, you did mention the Oscars of Ardo. It's something I wanted to touch on. How important is, is it becoming increasingly clear how important he is to the fortunes of this side given how flat comparatively they did look without him that's uh, major um, you know i mean they've been very reliant on costa barbarous who's been absolutely fabulous and he was he was one of the better ones yesterday he always looked like he was one of the more dangerous ones but unfortunately he didn't have anybody to play with him um so, yeah, look, he, it is a massive uh, loss. I mean, obviously, it looks like it's a reoccurrence of an injury, which is always a bad sign because mm. I just, you know, they're talking four weeks now. Um, look, I, I think I'll get him back, and I think, you know, they've, they've got themselves a bit of a buffer in that top six. It's a shame they couldn't have got a couple of wins because then that sort of means that they're in. Um, he, he's a massive loss because his, his ability to hold the ball up and get on the end of things, you know, he's a big, strong lad. Um, great in the air, and um, he he sorely missed. They they definitely definitely lacking something down the middle at the minute, and also a little bit of creativity in midfield. It's a little bit bland, and hopefully this Costa Rican import's going to change things. Well, I was going to say if I get you to gaze into your crystal ball a little bit, put the coaching hat on. How do they then ensure they don't let their position currently at the top of the table slip? while he is out because there are some reports suggesting he could be out for several weeks. Yeah, I just think they need to keep doing what they've been doing. I mean, you know, they, they drew their very first game of the season and were pretty average and everybody basically wrote them off and sort of seen them as a bottom bottom side. Um, so they've completely gone against the green. Um, they very tight squad, they're working hard and um, look, they you know they, they just don't give in, they're very good defensively. I think the, the biggest thing for them will be to make sure that they keep everybody fit, you know, obviously they, when they lost Roofer and Payne um, in the last couple of weeks, mm. which hurt them um, because it didn't give that sort of strength and they're very experienced senior players so they just need to keep everybody in the pitch just watch their bookings, obviously they cry off is the real He's the real sort of difference maker at the minute. So he's on a few bookings as well. Every time he makes a tackle, I sort of wonder if he's <laughs> going to get a yellow card. But um, they need they need him. Up. Him and Barbarisha's are very key now because the, the creativity and goals are going to come from those areas. Um, so, but I think they'll just keep doing what they're doing. I don't think I don't think they'll collapse. Um, I think they're too good at the back. Goalkeepers had a great season. Sermons had a great season. And um, yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I think they'll just dog it out and um, you know get what they can on on away trips and make sure they went at home. And how important as well do you think for the the future of this team with the prospect of another New Zealand club now coming in for them to not taper off and go flat? Because you would have thought that they have been given a bit of a, not a kick up the backside, but a a bit of a hurry up when it comes to wanting to remain uh, the team that has the hearts of New Zealanders in the A-League, right? Uh, absolutely. Well, they've they've done a, a great job, really. I mean, they've sort of it's been a long time for them to get to this position where they sit at the top and have been there for many weeks now. And um, but also the fact that they've been able to bring through so many young players into that squad, which means that they don't have to go and sign expensive imports. So they've avoided that in the last year, which is obviously good 
for the for the sustainability of the club. They've got some competition now, so you know there's talks about Savada might go to Europe, but you know he's he he he's also talking about staying in Wellington. He will absolutely get an offer from from, from Auckland, um, but why wouldn't they? You mm. know, he'll be fit, he'll be fit next year. They can offer him, they can offer him import money, and um, you know the, the owner's got deep pockets, so why not? So I I wouldn't bet against him being in Auckland. Uh, I'm sure Wellington will fight them, but you know they're also challenged by the salary cap. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Costas from Wellington anyway. I'm pretty sure he'll he'll stay there. Um, but they'll be looking for a marquee signing very soon. They're obviously not going to launch sort of second-tier players. They, 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 they will announce their brand and announce some big signings. And, um, yeah, they need to get a move on But Yeah, it'll be fascinating to follow. Let's look a little further abroad now. But uh, Chris Wood, now his latest hamstring injury, how much does that worry you? Facing a couple of months out, it's during a time when the All-Whites are meant to be going off to the UAE to, to play in that four-team tournament. Um, are we are we quite stressed about this one? No, um, <laughs> not really. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the games that the All-Whites are getting in this, this four-team tournament is absolutely fabulous. I think... Chris is not available, and I'm pretty sure he won't be. It'll give an opportunity for some of those others, uh, Mata, Wayne, uh, Grave, you know, others that are sort of um, Macau, ones that are sort of trying to be trying to be the number one striker. We, we know what Wizzy can do. Um, he's done it over and over and over again. He's done it in the EPL again this year. Uh, I think Forrest are going to miss him more than the All Whites. Um, because they've got some challenges ahead. Um, I guess the Olympics is probably the thing for him uh, mm. this year. He's obviously going to he'll, he'll go there with New Zealand, so he'll be he'll, he'll have his eye on that as well as trying to get it fit again. But uh, um, I think this these games gives the uh, strikers an opportunity to sort of you know to be his num to be his number two, and um, and yeah, and again the World Cup's you know two years away, so um, no problem with that. Opportunities for young players. That's great. these tournaments are fabulous for that. Mm. And when it comes to, I guess, the Olympic prospects, it's probably good ultimately for that as well. You mentioned the blow, though, uh, when it comes to the forest side of things, struggling EPL-wise, uh, also still in the FA Cup, of course. How do you think they uh, will try and, and make up for his loss for potentially a couple of months? Well, the guy he replaced um, was doing great before you know, before Woods, he sort of took over the number one. So he's back fit again. Um, but you know, he, he's he's a different sort of player. He relies on relies on sort of good goals scoring chances, whereas um, <coughs> Woods has been scoring been scoring quite spectacular goals of late, especially in the air. Um, yeah, they got a home game against Bristol City. I think it is in the FA Cup. If they win, they get Man United, which probably probably not going to be great for them either. The way Man United are currently playing, so um, yeah, got some challenges with Forest. And they've got some financial fair play issues that's sort of knocking at their door. So yeah, their, their season could implode. Uh, and losing Woozy certainly won't help them. Um, I certainly hope that Man United can get past them in the cup. But that's another story. <laughs> You must have been bored about it, at least, when they went over West Ham, mate. Absolutely, um, and and really, I mean, since since twenty four started really, and the Jim Radcliffe era has taken over. I mean, they're unbeaten. Um, in in twenty four, they scored eleven goals in the last three games. They're winning the games, um, not always in the best fashion, but it's exciting. Um, you know, some of those young players like um, Nacho and Manu are really sort of showing their quality. 
Ireland um, as well. So yeah, look, it's it's exciting there. Losing Martinez with a knee injury is going to hurt us no end. But um, yeah, Aston fell away this weekend, so um, that that'll really sort of tell us where they sit. Yes, it will. And let's talk the top of the EPL table at the moment because it's pretty spicy. Uh, currently, so you've got Liverpool sitting top still on 51 points, Man City uh, and Arsenal just behind on 49 points, then Aston Villa, as you mentioned, on 46, sitting in fourth there. My, 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 now what did you read into Arsenal's defeat first off over Liverpool uh, on Monday? Uh, well, I, I sort of I sort of mean Liverpool just imploded in that game, um, and game was pretty pretty even really. I mean, it, I would predicted the draw, um, but the capitulation allowed Arsenal to get a home win and sort of get back on track. But they're still in third, you know. I mean, it's almost like they won the league last week. Doesn't <laughs> um, hasn't quite happened yet for Arteta. Um, but you gotta you gotta have a look at um, Man City's next six games are all against the bottom sides. Howland's back fit, De Bruyne's back fit. You know you got people like Alvarez and and Foden who are just at the very top of the game. I mean it's it's so thinking Alvarez it's not funny. They're just gonna you know do what they normally do in the second half of the season and kick on. Um, everybody else is going to keep beating each other. Um, it's a bit more interesting than what it has been because there, you know, because there is four sides that are sort of mm-hmm. within striking distance. But um, yeah, it, it's looking fairly ominous. I think with City, um, it, you know, it's just I guess it depends on fitness and injuries and suspensions and so on. But that squad's big, and um, I fully expect them to, to motor on and um, win it again. Does it hurt your soul as a Man U fan saying that? Not as much as it would do Liverpool. <laughs> but that's it. That's years and years of uh, scars, uh, scars that I've encountered uh, coming from Northern Ireland, where half the population supported Liverpool and the other half Man United, and they were the glory days for them. So, yeah, um, Ricardo and I, um, we sort of um, got the same spin with that one. Oh, dear. How good. Can you see anything else good coming up in the EPL uh, in the next round? What should we be keeping an eye on? Yeah, I think the Man United um, Aston Villa game is definitely a big one because you know if if, if Villa win that you know that means Man United probably can't get in the four. Uh, it's at Aston Villa, um, and they're good. You know they're really really good, uh, and I think the I think the other the problem club is Chelsea, which sort of often gets forgotten about because everybody focuses on on us. Mm. Um, and they've got some challenges there. Um, if they don't get a couple of wins under the belt real soon, um, Pochettino and his squad, his management team will be gone. Um, I mean, it's just ridiculous, obviously, hearing that Enzo Fernando, their $120 million pound <laughs> signing, wants to leave now. And he's got he's got a contract through to 2032, so not quite sure who's going to pick up that wage bill. So, yeah, it's imploding there, and the players' wives are having a pop at the coach and stuff like that. When that stuff goes on, you know that something's going to go wrong. They've also got an FPP problem, so if they sack the coach and pay him out, it's actually going to create more issues for them financially. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting about one there. The next couple of games for Chelsea will be pretty critical. 
Yes, I think even more onerous. I did see a story about uh, the manager saying he'd gotten a, a positive couple of texts from from the owners in the wake of their latest defeat, mm-hmm. and I just thought, oh no, that's ne- <laughs> that's never a good the sign. Worst when that- thing happen, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, it's like someone uh, getting their undisputed support from management, which generally uh, comes a couple of weeks before they're fired. So we will follow that one with interest as well. Like you say, though, might create more problems than it does solutions. Noel Bar. There, former All White striker, joining us. Fabulous to have you on the show. No, lovely to chat. What's on for the rest of your day? Actually, my wife's birthday, so um, we're going to go and have a nice lunch and uh, um, yeah, have a bit of fun. Fabulous. Well, happy birthday, Mrs. Barkley. Hope you are spoiled absolutely rotten. Have a good one, Noel. Thank you. Thanks very much. Good night. So, you know, no, fascinating stuff there with Noel Barkley. Lots happening in the football world at the moment. Also uh, over in the cricket world and a text in here, Atamaria Kim, we've never beaten South Africa in a test series. So B team or not, this series matters up the black camps. And that is a very, very fair point as well. Uh, we have never beaten South Africa in a test series. This is, I mean, a very clear <laughs> opportunity It would be very demoralising, in fact, uh, if they were not able to win this series. And I shouldn't cast uh, any shade, I suppose, either in in how important this series is when it comes to making sure some of those players, I'm thinking Devin Conway and the like, get some good time in the middle just to maybe refind some of that form that has been uh, lacking somewhat of late, but you know what they say, form is temporary, class is forever, so fingers crossed, but we certainly need everyone to be firing uh, once the Aussies arrive. Right, we will be taking your calls after 9.30, whether it's black apps, whether it's football, whether it's rugby, do let us know. Give us a call on 0800 150 You're with Kimberly Downs on SCNZ Mornings. We'll be right back. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Welcome back to SNZ Mornings with Kim Downs. Brian and I uh, were actually talking this morning about our respective viewings of John Farnham once upon a time. Uh, Mine was just ahead of Lionel Richie at the Bowl of Brooklyn's in New Plymouth. For those who are not familiar, it's just uh, a short walking distance from the world's greatest cricket ground, Pukukura Park in New Plymouth, uh, and I will not be taking calls on that, but I will be taking calls on other topics. Talk back time now. 0800 150 is the line if you'd like to chat. Cliff uh, has called through from Dunedin. Cliff, I'm sure you'll take absolutely no offence by my saying Pukekura Park is the greatest cricket ground in the country. It's, it's certainly uh, a bowl, you know, with the high sides. Great place to watch. Bit narrow on one side, on the sides, but yeah, look, a great wee spot, great on a nice day. Like most grounds, except for the big cavernous sports ground, cricket should be played on a nice oval and a nice day and sitting on the bank or or at the basin, which is just about as good anyway. I, hey, I'm with you there, Cliff. 
Yeah. Hey, hey about the, the couple of things about the cricket. Um, Kane, um, what a class play, you mm. know. Nice, a nice hundred. They, what I've noticed is they bowl well to the left-handers. They really tied Conway up yesterday. Mm. They didn't give him any room. He looked a bit out of sorts, but it, it looked a lot freer when at the other end with Kane. He was able to score a lot quickly. Um, with the New Zealand away, I, I don't know why they put Ravindra in. I would have said, look, we're 450 ahead or thereabouts. We'll bring Phillips or Sander mm. in. We'll push the scoring. Kane had his chance. He, he certainly had the chance to score. He was scoring at a good clip. It, it, once he got his 100, we should have pulled out. But to, to sacrifice Ravindra to come out there and make, maybe he could have got 30 or 40. But to me, the guy had made 240. And to send him out there when we were that far ahead. Now, if, if it suddenly rained up there tomorrow and the game suddenly became shortened, we could find ourselves a bit embarrassed. And I mm. think, you know, when, a team, when you bowl a team out for 160-odd, yeah, why are you sending them 530 to chase? They're never going to get it, especially when they're really only a first-class team. And we've got spinners uh, who are going to take advantage as, as the wickets get older. But, look, if we got if, – if it rained, I don't know where there's any forecast at all, but if it did rain and they'd somehow saved, them, saved this game, it would be very embarrassing to think that we kept batting when we should have had them in last night for half an hour. Yeah, we'll as, be... soon as, Kane, as soon as Kane went out, we should have declared, even if we only had three or four overs at them, we could have nipped a wicket and really put them under the pump to, to go out there with a new ball again, one down. But, you know, I, I just felt that we are a little bit... Yeah, you know, I just don't know why we're still out there batting. It just, it, you know, if it was Australia and we were trying to set them at much and they had plenty of time, that would be fine. But, you know, they're, they're really a team that gets 160. You shouldn't be setting them 500 plus with two days to go when you could end up with rain and, and be embarrassed. Yeah, and I think but, the I think some of the justification Gary Stead used uh, last night when he was interviewed was talking about how they wanted the bowlers to be nice and fresh, which this, this was why they didn't follow on as well, just to give them a bit of a chance to rest. So maybe it's tied more in with that than what they're doing with the bat. But I'm actually with you uh, on the Rajan Ravindra side of things. I, I just feel like, like you say, you got 240 in the first innings. Chuck someone up up the order, like a Glenn Phillips, even Tom Blundell, put him further up, give them some time in the middle if that is if we're just looking to kind of bat out so that the bowlers can have a bit of time to freshen up. Because Rajan doesn't need it. He has shown that. He has already shown that. Thankfully, uh, the weather forecast cliff is going to be sunny. Well, currently is sunny in Tauranga for today and tomorrow. So in theory, the weather should not prove an issue. And hey, look, there is every chance that we go out there this morning, they might declare straight off the bat or just bat another half hour and then put the proteas, uh, put the proteas back in and bowl them out before day's end and this becomes a fairly frivolous kind of talking point. But I do really see your point when it comes to putting that foot on the throat because ultimately you want a test win. And the point of this is to get a test win, not to get people more game time, none of that. Because you need a test win because you want the series win because at this point it's embarrassing if they don't get a series win out of this, right? 
Right. That's that's what we if we've never we haven't beaten them in a series before. We've we've had our chances. It isn't their best team they've ever sent, but look, we'll take it. If we can win two 0 that will be great. It's another thing that we tick off. We've lost a few tests in the last couple of years that we probably didn't think we'd lose. We certainly don't want to end up with a draw in this one just because we decided to give some guys... Look, our three seamers only bowled... No one bowled more than 15 overs. Now, it's not like it's the second or third test of the series. Most of these guys haven't played much cricket at all. I'd say they're very un... They'll be fresh enough to get there in the morning mm. and bowl another 15 or 20 overs today. Yeah. I don't read... I can't read sometimes into what Mr. Stead says. But we can't can... read into it. But let me tell you what, we'll all be uh, happily smiling along if they come out of this with a 2-0 series win and looking good and primed, ready for uh, ready for the Aussies to launch their attack. I tell you what, I'm very much looking forward to that series already. Cliff, thank you so much for your time. What's the setup for the cricket today, mate? Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I won't be there exactly on 11, but I won't be far away. But I'll be listening to it. I always listen to my SENZ. I slow the sky down... Uh, about, we'll say, 45 seconds to bring it back to even Stevens, but SENZ's the place to listen to it. That is what we love to hear, Cliff, and of course that same team will be with us uh, from 10 o'clock. Dan McCarty, Tom Bartlett, Ian Smith, Jeremy Coney, John Bracewell. Gosh, what more could you want? Thank you for listening, Cliff. Appreciate it, and you enjoy the day. Cheers. Cheers, mate. couple more texts in here on the cricket. Morena Kim. Kane Williamson's 100 off 125 was a totally different innings and looked really strong. Need to get the Yarpies in now and finish them off. Marshy in Hawke's Bay. Yes, indeed. I do think that will be a top priority today. It'll be interesting to see whether uh, the New Zealanders go into bat at all today. I don't see a huge amount of point, but we'll see what they do. Uh, one from Patrick as well. Good morning. Disagree with Cliff from Dunedin. There's no rain at all. Forecast. Keep the foot on the throttle. Rub their noses firmly into the ground. That's Patrick from Ashburton. Thank you, Patrick. I suppose there could be an argument made uh, for just demoralising them so utterly and completely uh, that <laughs> the second test becomes a walk in the park as well. We'll see how that goes. If you've got any thoughts on that, flick us a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine, double A double three, Temper and Bed Post like no other, or give me a call uh, on 0800 150 811 if you would like to discuss. And we heard from a couple of the players after day three yesterday. One of those will come into play massively, you would think, over today and potentially even tomorrow. That is, of course, Mitchell Satner, who's been having another one of these test... uh, Does it seem fair to call it a resurgence? I'm not really sure. Um, However, he has been called from Gary Stead, of course, the best spinner in New Zealand. Here's what he had to say about that. Yeah, it's obviously nice to hear. Um... I think just off recent performances, not necessarily red ball, but in white ball, the balls feels like it's been coming out pretty well. Um, World Cup was nice, I guess, when there's some spinning wickets. We don't tend to get that too often in New Zealand, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, you know, still got to do a job out there with, I guess, usually first innings here. It's kind of back up the big boys, kind of dot up an end and let, their, let them do their thing. And, and then I guess second innings out here might be different, but I think. It's still going to be very flat um, and we're just going to have to bash away for a long period of time. 
Yeah, we've just, uh, while that audio's been playing as well, had a very interesting call from our man on the ground, Sam Ackerman, who says it's actually, uh, despite what the weather app is telling me, uh, is actually pretty overcast at the Mount Cliff, I hate to say it. So fingers crossed uh, that that does not eventuate into anything worse, uh, that cloud cover. Fingers crossed it clears up because otherwise, as Cliff said, uh, they could be getting themselves into a little bit of danger the Black Caps, but back on Mitch Santner and his bowling and the way he is going about things. He also talked a bit about the work that he's put into it and who's been helping out with that. Yeah, I guess kind of going around the circuit. Um, you know, Jadeja's always there. He's slightly different where he just kind of tries to bowl quick into the wicket and, and let it do its thing, where, you know, in India, especially in Chennai, that's kind of all you have to do. Um, and then you kind of go to some pitches where bounce you might get more bounce and try to go over the top a little bit more I think we spoke you know with obviously Jurgo was still there at the World Cup but as a as a spin unit me Glenn and and Ish and Rutchen in the World Cup that pitches were changing um, and you know the, the style of bowling was different depending on where you went so that kind of all those conversations kind of and it's the same out here like kind of that overspin was getting a bit of bounce today in the first innings and then second innings it might be more that kind of square seam a little bit faster might might hold so and then those kind of messages get relayed back to to the other boys involved as well. Yeah and it was very interesting wasn't it because I think a few eyebrows were raised at the start of this test uh, when the Black Caps opted for the three seamers and the two kind of spin bowling all-rounders, I think most of us generally thought, well, certainly I declared quite loudly uh, and had to eat my hat afterwards that surely it's a four-seamer wicket and they'll only bowl one of uh, Satna or Phillips, but they don't have room for both of them. Well, there you go. Wrong as wrong can be, and so far it's working out for them. Uh, one of the opposing views, though, because it must be a fairly hard work, you would think, being in the South Africans' shoes, coming over here, being roundly criticised uh, for the lack of experience in that side uh, and then being thoroughly pummeled as well. South Africa all out for 162. Here's Keegan Peterson talking about how they keep their spirits up from, he- up from here after a fairly tough few days. Yeah, it's been a tough, tough couple of days. I think we've seen enough of pain now. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. To keep the spirits up, I think we just got to believe that we can still get a result of this game. You can draw it or try our best to. I think the, the winning part's a bit far-fetched right now, but yeah, we'll try, I'll try our best to get there. Having spent a bit of time on, on, on there today, I think it's definitely a wicket that we can try and look into or look to survive, but uh, it's going to be a tough ask anyway to do it for two days, but uh, I mean, that's the hand that we've been dealt. I kind of looked at Kane and how he went about these first innings. It took a bit of time. Uh, which kind of set the template for the rest of us to see that it's, a, it's not a free-flowing wicket. It's, it's not much in it, but uh, you're going to take time to score runs, and I think that's just the way I looked at it. Yes, Keegan Peterson there. For context, one of the more experienced players uh, for the South Africans with all of 12 tests to his name. So you do have to feel for them a bit. He also talked about how hard it was actually facing Mitchell Satner on that wicket. I think he played with his, with his pace quite well. Uh, lengths, he trained it up all the time, so it was difficult to line him up, uh, which made it quite tricky to, to, to bat against. Um, it was a challenge. I think that was the most difficult part of it, it was the spinners. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to get a lot more of that uh, in the next two days. 
Yeah, as long as that uh, cloud cover doesn't turn into anything, as we mentioned before. Thanks, Sam Ackerman, for uh, <laughs> casting a shadow over the potential day. Uh, Peterson also talked about how they go about supporting all of those debutantes in that very inexperienced lineup. I think the new guys in themselves, they've, they've played quite a few first-class games and that, that gives us confidence in, in the fact that knowing that they're not really inexperienced, maybe just at test level, but uh, it's still... It's, it's, it's something new to all of us, really. I haven't played many tests, so I'm still trying to find my feet too. Hopefully they'll learn from this experience and take it forward. Be interesting to see how much they can learn just even between this test and the next one, right? We're going to take a short break here on SNZ Mornings with Kim. Flick those texts in, double eight double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine if you want to talk cricket or maybe some rugby after the break. Tony Brown to South Africa, does it worry you at all? Or are you not remotely bothered? It's quite a mercenary world out there. These days, across cricket, across rugby, and across all sorts of sports, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Anyway, Timber Bear Post Text Machine Double Eight Double Three. We'll be right back. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Kim, it is 9.50am. Pleasure to have your company this morning. We're just 10 minutes away now from heading over to our friends at the Mount for another day of riveting test match cricket coverage. Uh, I was almost going to introduce myself then as renowned fence-sitter Kim, and I was going to do that just because I've been ruminating over the break on this Tony Brown going to the Springboks move. And I've been trying to figure out where I actually stand on it Uh, and on the one hand I think what really hurts with this one because we're very used to obviously seeing Kiwi coaches plying their trade all around the world what hurts with this one is that it's going to the world champions I think more than more than anything the old foe the world champs someone with very in-depth current up-to-date knowledge of New Zealanders. We will be playing the Springboks, of course, twice this year over in South Africa. Uh, so as if that wasn't enough of a challenge to now be faced with someone who has such good inside knowledge, uh, also potentially is, is what hurts a bit. But then the other side of me, the other part of me says, I mean, fair play. 
what what else are you going to do? You're offered a job like this. You don't have a job otherwise. You love rugby. You love coaching rugby. Why wouldn't you? And loyalty in sport is a very fickle thing. It's something that likes to be employed to tug at the heartstrings. But ultimately, this is a business. Ultimately, these are people's lives. They are setting themselves up uh, and their families up for their lives. And, and who among us, if we were in the same position, can honestly say being offered an opportunity like that, that we would not grab at it. And ultimately, you also have to look at the state of coaching positions worldwide. There are only a few of them. You know, chances to actually be part of an international coaching setup, particularly for a side like the Springboks, are pretty few and far between. And so can we really begrudge these coaches who then take these opportunities? I'm just, I'm not sure if we can. I'd be fascinated to know Jamie Joseph's thoughts down in Dunedin about what he's he's thinking about his old mate going over there. No doubt he will be asked at some stage during the season when we get to see him. But ultimately, does it add also, I guess, a, a bit of spice in some ways? Now you look at the rugby championship and you go, OK, so we're facing Joe Schmidt over in the Aussies. Is David Kidwell still with the Pumas? I feel like, I feel like he is. Uh, and then now you've got... Tony Brown, as if that series is not going to need uh, any more spice to it. <laughs> Over with the Springboks, we're already facing, you know, the world champs who beat us in the final in, I think it's, it's Cape Town, isn't it? Cape Town and... Can't remember the other one. But either way, there's going to be a lot of heat at that series, and this will just make it more interesting. The other interesting element of that team that I touched on with Ricardo uh, on The Breakfast Show, if you weren't listening, is that Jaco Piper has also been named, named yes... The former referee has also been named as one of these coaching assistants, I suppose you would call it. So helping with referee interpretations, maybe the uh, cynics among you might say helping with seeing what the box can get away with. But again, it just goes to show that Rassi Rasmus continually is thinking outside the box and how to develop and push this team on. So a very interesting year lies ahead, I think. I wonder if Scott Robertson's looking at that move and going... Well, actually, I don't know, maybe we bring Wayne Barnes into camp. There you go. He's retired. Just see what happens. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back.